The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. back everybody to another episode of bub in the bloom episode 18 as we chug along through the rest of the fantasy baseball season going to talk about some more injury news i'm just gonna say injury news because that's what it is now not recent news got some big ones too this week as we get to the stretch run here go over our weekend matchups as always because you know we might have split again for the upteenth time this year. We'll see how that one goes. And then we'll talk about an awesome bloom board about some pitch mix changes since the all-star break. And we appreciate your guys' feedback on that. That's, that keeps the that keeps it more entertaining for us to kind of bounce that off of you guys. So check that out. But first off, I am on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, man? I'm great. I'm excited. Yeah, like you said, we got a lot of buzz around this this board. It's gonna be kind of the topic of our show. So they I mean, this is kind of fantasy football time and and baseball interest is dying down, but not for the loyal listeners of, of mm-hmm. Bubba and the Bloom here. There was a lot of good good comments and questions and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited for tonight's show. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Yeah, because I'll let you guys behind the curtain. I know we talked about last week, like do we enjoy doing content over playing and all that kind of stuff. 
I love doing content. Obviously, I podcast all the time, but this time of year is very tough to do podcasts because the content's hard to do. So when you guys are like excited and inter- interested in stuff, it makes it so much more fun for me. So uh, keep that kind of uh, passion coming, and we will have some like a lot of fun doing this for you. But we'll get to the negative stuff first, and that is um, the IL. Lots of IL stints. Uh, Zach Wheeler goes to the IL with right forearm tendinitis. Um, I looked up. I haven't seen any deeper reports yet on that unless I'm missing something. But it's retroactive. He can be activated on September 6th. They're hoping it's minor. But I hear right forearm tendinitis, and I am not excited, Ryan. No, those are like outside of maybe shoulder soreness. Maybe those are like the three worst words that you want to hear from a pitcher. Phillies are being very vague about it. This, I mean, the worst possible case is, hey, precursor to Tommy John. Or maybe it's just a dead arm and that's what they're calling it. And they're saving Wheeler for a stretch run, which I don't know, kind of doesn't make sense. Philly needs every every bullet that they that they can use in the stretch run. So it's tough, man. Um, I mean, Zach Wheeler has been a horse throughout, you know, the last few seasons, 182 innings, 2018, 195, 213 innings last year. But as we've talked about, had that shoulder issue in the offseason that delayed his ramp up. And who knows? Maybe that's all connected. But uh, certainly awful timing for anyone on a fantasy postseason run. And in terms of like, I mean, it looks like it's going to be Bailey Falter who throws strikes. That's probably about <laughs> the best, the best, the best attribute I can give. Doesn't walk too many guys, but. Gives up a lot of loud contact, a lot of fly balls, and not many Ks. And that's not a uh, combination you want really in any kind of league. And he pitches Friday night. So if you guys want to play some DFS, head that direction. Just gonna throw it out there. Yeah, yes. that's, a, that's a place to go. But yeah, sucks for Wheeler. Um, I might have missed you saying it when I was looking up something here. But is I know we probably need to get a little more information, obviously. Yeah. So it's hard to drop right away, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm not dropping at all yet unless we until we get more it's yeah. it, like i said it's, it's vague which we and, and walker bueller's on on our list of updates mm-hmm. but we talked about walker bueller last week and how we were we were pretty nervous that the dodgers were being vague and what what triggered mm-hmm. the the surgery for bueller um i don't know kind of similar kind of vibe with wheeler i'm getting i hope i hope not but yeah, uh, yeah you got to hold until we get more information if you if you've got nope. wheeler and we'll skip right to that yeah bueller we said it last week how vague it was it felt like someone's having Tommy John surgery, even though they didn't say Tommy John, which they usually do say, because who cares anymore? Everyone has Tommy John surgery. And then he goes and has Tommy John surgery, the second of his career, Ryan. And um, there's not a great track record. And I know things are different. Technology is a lot better this year, these these days. But two Tommy John surgeries doesn't have the best track record compared to one, obviously. So um, he won't pitch it all next year. So it's kind of a, a null topic for now. But um, I'm kind of just worried about the long-term success of Wheeler. But for the rest of this year, I guess it just creates more of a certainty in the Dodgers rotation. Yeah, certainty. I mean, they've got they've got they've got Dustin May. I mean, the Dodgers will be fine. Don't 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 worry about oh, them. I know. Uh, don't, don't, don't 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 shed a tear uh, with Bueller. Yeah, like so out all of next year. He's going to be in 2024. That's going to be Bueller's age. 29 season for a guy who will have thrown uh 65 innings just this year so like on the one hand the timing of the surgery is kind of okay for bueller because you're going to get that kind of full recovery should be ready to go like by the start of 2024 but yeah for someone with a declining fastball 
uh, somebody who is now going to be approaching 30 um, long-term keeper wise. That's, that's, that's tough. You hate to see that. Yeah. It's no good at all. Another thing we hate to see is the words thoracic outlet syndrome. That is not good. Usually it revolves around pitchers though. And we have a better idea of what that is. So it kind of felt weird that Jared Walsh had it again, though, it makes sense where the power went this season because shoulder injuries, the thoracic outlet area, um, that's going to zap all of your power pretty much. And so that disappeared. I honestly haven't found and don't know what the recovery time is for a position player, a potential DH compared to pitchers. We know it's a long recovery period. Uh, maybe one of our great uh, injury guys on Twitter can help us with that. But um, regardless, I'd be kind of surprised if he's ready to go. And it usually takes about a year or so to get fully back from a shoulder injury when it comes to power. So what's your thoughts on this Walsh deal? You, I've got the same exact thoughts as you, which doesn't make for like compelling radio. But like thoracic outlet, yeah, is typically kind of like a death knell, honestly, for, mm -hmm. for a career, for a pitcher. You think thoracic outlet and their pitchers are kind of done. Like the track record there is not good. And I, I honestly don't know what the what the prognosis is on the hitting side. That's one of the, and, and subtle plugs here. One of the things at first pitch Arizona that uh, we talk about, there's a lot of focus on injury uh, risk, injury analysis. Matt Cederholm goes out there every year. James Ferretti goes out there every year. And I'm definitely going to be hitting those guys up to see what they think about, um, about Walsh just because, yeah, I don't, I don't, I honestly do not know what this yeah. means long term. Obviously he's out for the season, but I don't know what it means for, for him next year if it is kind of the death knell that it is for pitchers as it is for hitters it's uh, something i need to look into yeah it's gonna be interesting we're all kind of in the dark on this one so uh i'm real curious and i guess bright side is angels are out of it so we don't really have to worry about it this year and the replacements for walsh aren't really and, anything and they, special they, yeah they, they, they get to we, we get to see the ghost of mike ford for the yeah. rest of the season for for the angels that's yeah that that lineup just gets talk, even talk about certain teams just hoping this like they could play with a running clock right now the angels would be one of them so uh, we'll see how that plays out well you said it in the comments here on this uh, part of the outline but also i'll leave that comment for you but uh, nestor cortez to the il and uh, first off this stinks because nasty nestor has just been amazing and this hurts fantasy this hurts the yankees and it hurts the yankees because they could probably use another left-handed pitcher. They don't have any more, Ryan. So uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, it's, this is kind of our ode to Jordan Montgomery. Who Anytime who, Jordan Montgomery can be mentioned on any show I am on, I am a huge fan. Already has more wins for mm -hmm. with the Cardinals in four starts than he did with the Yankees. Three wins in, I think, 21 starts. Some, something, something like that. Like yeah. so it's it's yeah. crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, you if you're a Yankee fan, you certainly wish – you had that one back, especially if you're Brian Cashman. Uh, sucks for Nestor Cortez. Like, awesome story, awesome dude. Like, love to watch him pitch. Just the way he 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 knows how to pitch. Different release points, different timing, and windups. Kind of Quato s that kind of thing. So, um, hope he's back soon. I mean, it, it sounds like Clark Schmidt is getting called up and will pitch this weekend for the Yankees. In terms of like pickup wise. Um, He's not stretched out enough yet. 56 mm -hmm. pitches, 52 pitches, and 60 pitches in his last three outings. So Schmidt pick, pitched uh, 60 against the Mets uh, a couple days ago. So that's what you've got going on. He has not gone more than three innings in any of those starts. So you're probably not getting a win if you're desperate for wins. And you've got a 1.6 uh, strikeout to walk ratio, which is pretty terrible for Clark Schmidt. So um you're holding on to Cortez until we hear more, but uh, you're also not picking up Clark Schmidt. 
Yeah, I hope it's just a, a minor um, thing because again, maybe they're just resting them up. Maybe it's a way to cut back innings for them before this the postseason. Like honestly, it could be something as silly as that. I doubt it, but it could be. You never know. So uh, I'm trying to trying to be optimistic here, but um, we'll see how that one plays out. Real quick, I was asking some other guys recently this uh, when it comes to the Yankees for the bullpen. Uh, obviously, Holmes has been a mess. He's been kind of uh, he's on the IL, I believe now. Uh, you have Aroldis Chapman, who's still not getting trusted. You got Lois Siga's been getting the job done. Wandy Peralta got a save. If, say, you're heading into Fab this week, and I know you write a Fab column, how are you approaching this bullpen? Because it doesn't, it's it's a committee, a full on committee, and there's really no rhyme or reason right now to me, except besides maybe matchups. Besides matchups, I, I mean, my, if I had to, like kind of gun to my head, I had to pick someone, I'd go, I'd go Sweet Lou. Yep. Of all people, I'd go. I'd go Lou Trevino. Um, Trevino pitched. Let's see. Just looking at usage, pitched Sunday and got the win. Uh, Monday, the following night, obviously after 32 pitches, Sunday night for Trevino. Jonathan Luizaga got the save um, on Monday night, and then Wandy Peralta of all people, Tuesday a five pitch save. I think Trevino is not the guy, but I think if you're doling out saves, he's probably the the top guy there on a Yankee team. I know they've been struggling, but like that's a team that's going to get some saves. So um, I don't know. Buck or two on Trevino this weekend. Like you kind of hold your nose and enter that bid, but that would be the pick for me. Yeah. I think you're probably right there just because the experience they traded for a reason, as you mentioned, stuff like that. The one caveat I will mention is um, I did this a lot last year with uh, Mr. Lasagna, Johnny Lovasiga. You know, Baseball HQ has a saying called um, draft skills, not roles sometimes. And Johnny Loisiga, or Losaga is filthy. And he was filthy last year. Didn't look great to start the year, but lately has looked like the guy of old. At worst, he can get you ratios, strikeouts, and a potential even winner save. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, this time of the year when streaming pitching is difficult. So I think you're right with Trevino's probably the go-to guy. If you if, if deeper leagues are still looking for guys, don't sleep on Johnny L for just some extra help in on your roster. It's funny, just real quick, I was looking up the lines of guys you were talking, and yeah, 576 ERA this year, 148 whip. Like those surface stats look terrible, but then you dig a little deeper into the game logs. He hasn't given up. Let's see, he's given up three earned runs since the all-star break. So yep. that's uh he's he's peaking at the right time. I'll mm-hmm. say that. That's the beauty of uh, sometimes playing DFS a lot because you see a little things that you can see below the surface stats. Um, Ryan Presley, this finally happened. I, I'm glad teams do this finally because he's been like day-to-day with a neck issue, day-to-day with a neck issue. Well, now they put him on the IL so you don't have to sweat it anymore. Um, it's been a few different options in the back of that pen. I've seen guys get blown up, another guy get a shot, so on and so forth. So how would you approach this? Because the Astros are good. They're going to keep winning baseball games. There's going to be saves to be had. Like It's not like you know some of these teams, you're like, just don't waste your time with them. There's going to be saves in Houston. This is one you want to target this weekend uh, because, yeah, Houston wins games. And that kind of fluke, like I always I, – I had Presley, the, uh, I think it was last year, where he had like 22 saves or something as the full-time closer on Houston who won like over 100 games. Uh, but that's an anomaly. I mean, you, you, you want – closers on teams that win and i i mean i i would go after rafael montero i think just the usage patterns i think montero is the plan b behind ryan presley obviously we've got a few nights we've got friday and saturday night to see what houston does um maybe will smith but like the thing with will smith is he's the i believe the only lefty in that entire bullpen so houston i mean probably is going to use will smith in those kind of leverage situations against lefties so um 
depending what we see Friday, Saturday night. But I, I go Rafael Montero. I'm with you on Montero. They gave Neris a shot the other night, and it was not pretty. Oh. It, brought, it brought back Philadelphia flashbacks. <laughs> it was rough. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, speaking of Ryan Presley, how are you feeling about that 2023 draft pick right now with the stiff neck issue for like the second year in a row? Just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We, we I'm debated kidding. your Devin Williams <laughs> pick is is looking a little bit, little bit better than my Presley pick. Oh, this is great. It's bad how we're. I'm like, and I put this in the chat. I'm like rooting for the guys that I picked mm-hmm. in that draft. Like Wilson Contreras has gone off. He was my seventh yeah. round pick. I'm like happy, but it doesn't count because this draft is for next year. Like it's just, it's, I'm in like a bizarre times game. Cause we're idiots. We're idiots. We drafted a 2023 draft in August. We're idiots. I, I, I can't but it was awesome. Not deny that. Yeah. Crazy happy idiots is what we were. Um, Zach Granke goes to the IL. Uh, this is an interesting one because, you know, Zach Granke just kind of, you figured he'd never get hurt. He doesn't throw the ball hard. He just kind of throws, doesn't do much. So I wouldn't have thought uh, anything to be too concerned about with Granke. And I didn't think, you know, he had feelings or injuries or anything. But uh, he goes to the IL. Looks like he'll be hopefully just two weeks, but you never know. It's it's an arm issue, shoulder issue. So we'll see how it goes with Zach Granke. What's your thoughts? I I mean more just more so than just fantasy wise. I wonder I wonder what the future is for Granky, right? Point. Like I mean maybe this is just two weeks and that sort of thing. But if you end your age thirty eight season with forearm tightness, you've kind of pitched you you went back to the team that you started with in Kansas City and you 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 pitched the season. Like I wonder I don't know I just I wonder if this might be kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, as as morbid as that sounds, I just mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he comes back next year or what, but hundred percent, um, hell of a career if if um, if this is it. Yeah, I hope he becomes like a high school baseball coach because he's not <laughs> he's not made for the big stage. But you think of the stuff he could teach a high school kid if you know the parents would allow it because he probably wouldn't do it in the most politically correct way. I'm not saying he'd be like racist or anything, but he just wouldn't have a filter. Like wouldn't know when he's being bad. So like it'd be really funny was that Granky. I'd be a fan of that. And so. just one of the like I know this is almost like a postmortem. Like the guy probably maybe comes back maybe he pitches in two weeks, but like one of the more underrated careers like mm-hmm. of all time. I mean like this a Cy Young candidate for a while. Cy Young candidate 216 ERA back in 2009, a 166 ERA in 2015. I'm cherry picking here, but a 293 ERA in 2019. Like he's been very good across like multiple decades and has reinvented himself many times. So that, uh, to your point, like if someone knows pitching on this earth more than Zach Greinke, I kind of like to meet him. He, he will be a Hall of Fame discussion for a few years. Like, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. He was that good, like you said. So I think a lot of people that kind of maybe got into baseball recently because of fantasy or something, I don't think they realize how good he was. Yep. So that'll be a, definitely something to, to see going back. Uh, Brandon Belt, back to the I.L. with knee inflammation. It's been bugging him all year. His production has shown from that. It's been bad. Um, I dropped him a few weeks ago. I just couldn't do it anymore. He's supposed to have an MRI on Friday, honestly. The Giants are technically still in the wild card race. I don't think they're in the wild card race, to be honest, but they technically are. Um, I think they should have shut him down. That'd be my two cents. He, only thing is, I think he's a free agent after this year, so they'll want him back for the final weekend, probably, just to give him a little swan song mm-hmm. in the bay. Yeah. But um, what's your thoughts on this one? Because it's it's not pretty. Another and like I I'm, I'm I guess I'm going down like a dark spiral tonight, man. But th- there were also whispers of like belt of this injury affecting him past. Yeah, this year as well. And um, that just kind of sucks because I've always said, like, I always want to see what 
what a peak branded belt could do outside of San Francisco. Uh, that that park, even though it has been better in recent seasons on the hitter side, that that park has cost that man uh, plenty of home runs over the years. So um, yeah, not a good report. Can't trust Brandon Belt the rest of the way. Looks like we've got Wilmer Flores at first yeah. base. He's the guy who's been starting the last couple nights. Um, maybe in situations against lefties, you want to use him, but uh, I'm, I'm not that interested. And you're right, Bubba, like maybe they, uh, maybe the Giants just take their time and bring him back, uh, Belt back. That is this kind of final week for that swan song. Yeah, it's uh, another generation or another um, legacy from the Giants will be gone after this year. And Belt was an awesome one. But um, yeah, I've I wanted him out of the ball. I've, I've been one of the biggest Belt defenders in years. And people say he's not good. I'm like, no, he is. That ballpark destroys him. Like, he's very good. We so, have it's a running joke in the baseball forecaster. I think we put an upside projection of on Belt like five or six years in a row of like 35, 40 home runs. We've always believed in the true. power. And it, um, it, I don't want to say it never materialized because he's he's definitely had some spurts, especially in recent years. Um, but yeah, you, you do kind of wonder what if. Yep, what if. Um, we don't have to go too deep on this, but I just wanted to let everybody know that maybe lived under a rock. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., obviously suspended for a while, is now having shoulder surgery. The reason I wanted to mention this, though, is I figured he should have done it a long time ago. And secondly, the reports, because the Padres are not happy with him right now, with this situation. Like, they've been very vocal about this. So the report came out was, Fernando Tatis Jr. is finally having the shoulder surgery the Padres wanted him to have at the beginning of the season that he said no to. So, like, they're making a point that, like, hey, you want to know another thing he doesn't listen to us about? Shoulder surgery. So, uh, any thoughts on this? <laughs> PR. I like it. Um, mm -hmm. It's the right move. Like, yeah, 100%. I mean, you're out. Like, this is the time to do it. I mean, I can see before the season, like, the season's coming. Tatis wants to play. Kind of get it. But yeah, you you have to do this now. There's no other window that um, that it, that it makes sense for. So I mean, we'll see. Revisit back in uh, or next February, March. See how he looks. That's going to be an ADP. That's going to be completely wild. I know we talked a little bit last week, so I don't want to go too much. But fourth round pick in our 2023 draft that could go second round. That could go sixth, seventh round. All depending yeah. on uh, all depending on the the updates we get next spring. Yeah, because that draft pick was only with the suspension. He did not know about the surgery just yet. Correct. So it gets more fun indeed. Byron Buxton to the IL and the fun. Oh. Oh, I don't know if funny is the right thing. This is like his first real IL stint of the year, surprisingly. He's missed a lot of time, but this is like the first like big IL stint for Byron Buxton this year. He has a hip injury. He has a knee injury that both may need surgery this offseason. That's how much they have been affecting him, and he's still doing what he's doing. So what's your thoughts on this one? I mean, he's, he's back on, I don't know if he ever left it for me, but he's back on the do not draft list. Um, you're right, Bubba, like technically the first IL, uh, but he's been playing hurt all season. And now we know why Buxton has been getting every third day off and that sort of thing. So um, it's funny how all that news comes out now that Buxton is pretty much done. So, um, I mean, even, even without the, even injury stuff be damned, like this is a guy, fifty-one percent fly ball rate, uh, strikeout rate was through the roof this season. Like he almost has turned into a like power only guy. I mean, the dude was hitting two twenty-four, and at at HQ we've got an expected batting average like two fifty. Like that that strikeout fly ball combination is not good. And recently he started running a little bit more, but just six deals, man. Like I mean, what are you what are you what are you paying for for a, a Byron Buxton who is? even fully healthy like what what does that stat line look like next year so um 
yeah, back back on the on the DND list for for next year. Yeah, they just they just paid him too, which is pretty pretty crazy. Um, this one sucked to start off your Monday for anybody that had an early lineup lock. Uh, Vinny Pascantino goes to the IL with a shoulder injury, and he was raking before he got hurt. And now they're acting like it's nothing too severe. Should be back rather soon. But again, shoulder injury, power guy. It's just it's never comfortable. And before I let you go, the one other thing I'll mention, because I've been researching his info the last couple of days just to keep up to date on what's going on. One of the better Twitter follows right now. He's new to Twitter and he's amazing. He? Oh, he just, he's just funny. He just like quote tweets things and you can tell he's a kid on Twitter having a good time. So I'm just going to throw it out there. He's at least entertaining. You can, you can tell by his tweets that he's just a good kid you want to root for in baseball. Like, so he's innocent. Uh, but back to the real thing here, the injury. How are you approaching this? The timing, yeah, just sucked. Like, there, there's not much worse things in our game than a Monday injury. And even, yeah, like you said, in, in Vinny P's case, I think this was, like, his first at-bat of the week or right after it. Or <laughs> yep. Right there. So, like, that, that's a killer. Um, it sounds minor, so I think you're holding on to Vinny P and hope that he comes back September 2nd when he is eligible. I don't know what the oh, – the Royals are being the Royals with kind of replacements. Like I think they should just play Nick Prado at this mm, point should. and see what they have at first base. But Prado's only started one of the last three games, all of those against right-handed pitching and Prado's a lefty. So um, that's what I'd like to see happen, but I can't really even recommend picking up Prado right now because the playing time's just not there, but I'd love to see it. hundred percent with you on that one. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, Michael Kopech, it's been a rough year for Michael Kopech, a guy with his quote-unquote dominating stuff as he has. The strikeouts have not been there at all, which has been troublesome. Uh, and his last start, he didn't get out of the first inning, was getting hit around, left with a knee injury, and is now on the 15-day IL. Um, this is a guy that was just tough to roster, period, down the stretch here. And now he goes to the IL, so what do you got on this one? And, like, I, I could absolutely just see this, the White Sox kind of shutting this down. Um, it's It's been such a, I mean, a, a good season on the surface for Kopech. You kind of alluded, Bubba, to the skills not totally being there, and, and they're not. So there was some luck behind that 358 ERA. But for me, it's it's the workload. It's a guy who has a, a pretty long laundry list of injuries and who had kind of been a hybrid reliever. Uh, last season, all of a sudden now has thrown 111 pitches on a White Sox team that is probably not going to uh, make the postseason. So um, I might be aggressive with a drop here on Kopech if I have him in, um, even in like 15 teamers, just because I, I I don't see the reason for the White Sox to really push this anymore, given the kind of uncharted territory that they uh, have Kopech at. And I mean, age 26, Kopech, I, I think, still has a bright future despite kind of the lackluster skills this season. But uh, I think you kind of take this season as a step forward and, and and move on to 2023. Yeah, he's had at least one TJ, if not two, actually, now I think about it. And um, so it's just still kind of ramping up to what we used to see with him type thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, take the positives out of the year. Hopefully you can figure it out going forward. Uh, the Reds, Graham Ashcraft was looking like he was maybe starting to figure things out. Had a big strikeout game the other day. Uh, and then he goes to the IL with a uh, bicep soreness, which again, not good. So it's having an MRI, I believe, uh, yesterday. So I haven't seen the results on that. But another one on a Reds team that just cannot keep pitchers in the rotation this year. It is unbelievable. It's bad, man. They're down to Mike Miner, Luis Sessa, Nick Lodolo. Nick yep. Lodolo is fantastic. And Justin Dunn. Like that's their like four man rotation right now. I, I don't know who they're throwing out there. Like, 
fantasy takeaway, stay away, of course, from Reds pitching. But if you've got anybody going, any hitters going against the Reds, especially at Great American Small Park, like that is just a that's that's a gold mine the rest of the season because that pitching staff is um God, it wasn't good. And then you lose Ashcraft. And I kind of say that like as a bad thing. And I guess maybe he was turning around a little bit, but even Ashcraft wasn't that great either. So um it, it goes from a terrible rotation to I don't know. I can't really think of a word worse than terrible, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. Really, really bad is what we'll say. Something like that. So, and yeah, like you said, the, the starters are bad. The bullpen's bad. Just stack. Um, see how it goes. This one hurts, but to be fair, it's been a bad year. I've already dropped him in a lot of places, so it's not the end of the world for our boy, Nathan Eovaldi, as I've learned with HQ. The only way that I can find his player page is Nathan Eovaldi, not Nate We've got Eovaldi. a few. Yeah, we've got uh, a few like, proper names uh, so. lingering around. He heads to the IEL with neck and shoulder soreness. He was going to try to play through it, was getting pushed back, missed, I think, one start, and they said, screw it, going on the IEL. So is what it is with Mr. Eovaldi, who's lost some velocity of late as well. That's been the big thing, right? Like, Eovaldi, he looked fantastic in April, 32 to 3 strikeout to walk ratio in five starts, 251 ERA, a sub one whip. But that month, I'm going to read out this monthly velocity, 96.8 in April, 96.9 in May, looking good, then got hurt in June, down to 95.4, 94.7 in July, 94.3 in August. Like that is that is not good, and the skills went down with that velocity. So I, I just think of all – I mean, of all these, a competitor. He's pitching through. He's hurt. He's been hurt. And the Red Sox just kind of have to say, all right, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. And I think that's what they did. Um, so it sucks, man. I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a huge Evaldi guy have been the last couple of years, kind of admittedly got a little lucky last season with the injury um, luck with him going 182 innings, 195 strikeouts. But uh, this was always the risk with him um, was, was the injuries. And we're seeing that pile up now so i i'd be surprised if avaldi makes any kind of dent here the rest of the season so he'd be a drop for me as much as that pains me to say 100 with you on that one and they don't have a lot of replacements in that rotation either so buckle up if no it, it kind of the line yeah the line kind of stopped at like cutter crawford who got destroyed and that's been rough lately too uh, that that dude he's on my main that, that guy i'm not gonna you know i'm I'll admit it ruined my Friday night last Friday, man. Nine earned runs. Like that yep. was, that was brutal. So he's in there and like Michael Walker, but it's, it's getting bad quick in Boston. Yeah, no doubt about it. Eric Hosmer to the IL. Um, take that for what you wish. I guess the bright side is, is Frenchie Cordero is getting playing time. Uh, Tristan Cassis is crushing it in the minors. And before I let you go on this one. So Christian Royal has been banged up. Xander Bogarts is banged up. Did you see who played shortstop for the Boston Red Sox? I don't know about Thursday night, but Wednesday night. And stole a base tonight, and that would be Bobby Dahlbeck. Unbelievable. He's now a shortstop who steals bases. So that, that's where we're at in 2022. Oh, man, crazy stuff. The The – while we're while we're on this, you mentioned Tristan Casas. Um, something that's been going around. I know this isn't on our outline, but I think it's it's good to bring up something going around. There's rumors of uh, Corbin Carroll coming up very shortly. Gunnar Henderson, who um, is the number two prospect at HQ fantasy wise, behind uh, Carroll and then Tristan Casas as well. In the new CBA, there's a provision that if your player get wins rookie of the year you get an extra pick in the following year's draft and what teams are i think figuring out is they can call up 
their top prospects get that cup of coffee in September, still be rookie eligible in 2023 and qualify for that pick if, you know, if things turn out okay next year. So do not be surprised if we get kind of a wave of, of really high level prospects being called up around September 1st. Um, yep. Just just kind of throw that out there if you've got bad money left. Yeah, actually, they could start doing it any day because the 23rd was the day where they would accrue just enough or not enough time to be eligible. But the rosters expand September 1st. You're probably That's probably what we're waiting for, as you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, teams are getting wiser to that. So hopefully Costas comes up. That would be great. You mentioned Henderson, Corbin Carroll. We get to see Cade Cavalli this weekend for the Nationals. We'll see how that one plays out. That'll be an interesting one. Figured you would have picked him, but oh, we did. Ineligible. We agreed not to. For, yeah, we agreed for, not to. Per the Constitution. Yes, we agreed not to, but uh, we'll see how that one plays out as well. Uh, a couple more here. Jonathan Scope goes to the IL with an ankle sprain. He was kind of day to day for a while. They put him on the IL. Been a brutal year for Jonathan Scope. He's been cut on all my teams way before this, but uh, this might end, end things a lot sooner for some. I just like random facts. I'm a stat geek. Random fact of the year for Jonathan Scope is he stole as many bases in one week four steals as he did the previous three years combined this season. That's all I got. Yeah, it's been a rough go for him, but my dumb dumb brain will probably look to buy the dip next year when it comes to Jonathan Scope. So we'll see. Long time before that one takes place. And last but not least, Aaron Ashby to the IL for the Brewers. It's been an interesting year for Ashby. Lots of ups, lots of downs, not consistent, young pitcher. What do you got on this one? I'm really, yeah, um, I'm glad you bring that aspect of this up because – this guy, I'm not thinking more for 2023 with Ashby. Like the ceiling is, is I think like enormous. Um, strikeout upside is immense. You, you've got a strikeout uh, rate of 27% and a ground ball rate of 56%. Like there are not many starting pitchers. This will probably be an off season bloom board. Um, actually, I know it will. Uh, there are not many starting pitchers in baseball with that combination of strikeouts and ground ball. So from that aspect, like I could see Aaron Ashby being a complete ace. The flip side of that is injuries, and he still needs to learn how to pitch. Like a 10% walk rate ain't great, and you tack on the lack of volume there. Like that, there's a, there's a low floor to go with that that high ceiling uh, for next year. So that's that's going to be someone who I really need to dive in on this offseason and and check out. Someone who's uh, pretty fascinating to me. The best way to learn a language: immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. I know you're not probably, well, you might be prepared. I'm not going to downsize, cre- down, not credit you on this, but you mentioned a young pitcher with good strikeout stuff, but lots of walks. Innings slash entries are a concern. 
Obviously, we'll do more discussion for 2023, but just for fun, at this point in time, one's pitching right now and one isn't, so that might make it easier. Edward Cabrera or Aaron Ashby? Oh, man. I'll go go Cabrera. A lot of similarities in those two, if people dig in on them. But uh, I think Cabrera might have the overall better stuff, but it's probably closer than we think. So that's That's a great comp. That's a yeah, 53% ground ball rate for Edward Cabrera, 28%. That's like basically the same dude. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, let's talk Did about you just think of that. That was yeah, that was while you were good. talking. This is what I do. This is why this is what I do for a living almost part of my Jesus. living. That's, um, that's impressive. Uh, yeah, see, I, I, I listen. I listen when people talk. Um, weekend matchups, the fun that is our weekend match. Like, we have a golf out on the line, and we might split this thing. This is like the craziest, craziest thing that takes place. Thanks to thanks to a Longo Grand Slam on Sunday to help propel me to victory. But uh, I'll let Ryan recap the week before we get into this week's pick. But uh, yeah, Dustin May was good, Ryan. It's been it's been a while, so I'm looking at our score. But I should probably share this on Twitter just for uh, whoever is interested. But it is wild. We have split every single week yep. so far. Um, no one, neither of us has won both hitter and pitcher the same week. And actually, no, I take that back. Second week I swept, and so you must have caught it up somewhere. But yeah, uh, never mind. Uh, on the season, we are split, and it's been it has felt like every week we're splitting the same. But yeah, I kind of cheated a little bit. Took Dustin May, who was eligible in the player pool. Yes, it he was, was legal. Percent rostered. It was legal in twelve teamers on the NFBC. Nine Ks look fantastic. Um, easy opponent, but um, Savali only got four four. Actually, Savali got rained out. I think so. Yeah, he didn't he, even that was his weekend, Monday but start. I still, yeah, I didn't check the constitution for that one, but I still gave you a little. <laughs> A little four strikeouts there. Um, Longoria, yeah, you took the Coors angle. I didn't. It wasn't going to work until Sunday, but uh, had a had a and and a, a fantastic bare hand uh, throw in the ninth inning as well. That was the that was the Evan Longoria game last Sunday at Coors. But um, anyway, yeah, we split last week, so at it again this week. On to this week, and for those that uh, are new to the game, we just preview the weekend matchups. If anyone wants to make some fab moves for the weekend, do the the good pitching matchups, the not so good, the good hitting matchups, all those kind of things. Thanks to the Baseball HQ Weekly uh, Planner, and then we each pick a hitter and a pitcher based on fifty percent or less rostered on twelve team NFBC OCs. So it's a lot of fun in that regard, and we are tied eight to eight going into this week of action we have like five maybe six more weeks to go something like that so it'll be fun yet again so ryan why don't you highlight some of the uh the matchups you're looking forward to this week before we get into our picks it's weird this weekend like there's a lot there's not a lot of like even matchups there's a lot of bad teams playing good teams or at least you know postseason contending teams so like the the most difficult matchups are and this isn't all because of um the hitters, the lineups own futility. It's that combination of that and a, a great rotation they're, they're facing. So the Marlins have our hardest, uh, our hardest HQ's hardest uh, matchup rating of the weekend. They go to LA or they host LA. So that's going to be rough. The pirates go to Philly. The angels go to Toronto, Kansas city hosts San Diego and the Rockies go to the Mets. So like, there's just a lot of bad lineups facing a lot of, good pitching this weekend and i mean takeaway wise like a lot of times i look at those bad lineups just try and get playing time and kind of stream those guys but this week probably not just given the um given given the tough overall matchups that i kind of just mentioned so um i think the most intriguing matchup of the week and is baltimore at houston 
Yeah, like if Baltimore bad. wants to make a legitimate run at this, they have to go to Houston and they have to face McCullers or Keedy and Verlander. Like that's, that's going to be tough for Baltimore, uh, but we'll see how they, they fare. But yeah, anyone Baltimore hitters, that's, that's, that's another tough matchup. That's literally like a, this is your playoff chance guys. Like this is what you would see in the postseason. So see what you got. I like that one. Uh, Cleveland Seattle's got some, some vibes to it because Cleveland's leading the central. Yep. So that's got a little bit of postseason uh, implications to it. And then uh, the other one, Atlanta at St. Louis. That's going to be fun. Atlanta at St. Louis. Uh, you're going to get some Jomo over the weekend, some Max Fried, I believe, over the weekend. So you have Spencer Strider goes on Friday night. So you'll have some fun in that series as well. But uh, yeah, not a lot of great hitting matches. The, one of the best is Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh, of course. That just makes too much sense because Philly's hitting everything right now. And Harper should be back any day. So. Yep. Keep that one on your radar, folks. Uh, he's just doing Harper things. And funny thing mentioned in our chat from um, the draft we did, he's technically not eligible in the outfield yet for next season. So keep that in mind. He Was it one more game he needs or two more games? I think two more games. I don't know if we'll get there. Only. We'll see. He might be util only because right now they just wanted the DH. They just want the bat. I don't know if he's healthy enough to play the outfield yet. And that surprised me when they said that. So. You might get the J.D. Martinez, Jordan Alvarez treatment for a bit, so keep that in mind as well. The other thing I like to look at, too, is just handedness, left-righty, and kind of target anyone that either faces all lefties, which isn't as common, or all righties. A couple big ones there. Philly has our easiest matchup rating. They get all right-handers against Pittsburgh. Would be a great weekend, perhaps, for Derek Hall, who... I guess got sent down to the minors. So mad about that. that So mad about that. That was weird. Uh, Many Houston lefties that are available, like would have been a great weekend for Chaz McCormick, but he's hurt. So keep an eye on that. But um, potentially three lefties against for San Diego at Kansas City. I'm not sure who the third one is. It might just be a 2-1 split. But any righties on San Diego this weekend going to Kansas City is, um, is pretty juicy as well. It looks like Jackson Kowar is pitching Saturday for Kansas City, so he might so. be sandwiched between two lefties, Bubich and Daniel Lynch, but um, that's still, that's pretty meager competition, so San Diego I like, especially any right-handed bats there, even like maybe even a Will Myers weekend, I don't know. Potentially Myers, but Drury Machado, yep. they're going to have some fun this weekend, so yep. enjoy that one for sure, and the one I'll mention, might as well get into it. Let's talk about our picks for the week. I'll save that caveat for in a second here, but uh I'm going to start off with the pitching pick because that's where I was going to go with this one. And I need help. So I, Brian, let me pick both picks first this week, which is a rarity in our, our battle here. Um, and I'm with Drew Smiley. And I've talked about this. I've tweeted about it. I'm, whatever you want to talk about. The Brewers, it's really bizarre because you look at their team. McCutcheon hits lefties well. Keston Hira hits lefties well. Power-wise is what I'm saying. They have a, a handful of Adamas, a handful of guys who hit lefties well. Also... As a team, they strike out almost 32% of the time versus lefties over the last month with a, a, a sub 200 batting average, ISO below 100, horrible. Like they're just not good versus left handed pitching. And we've seen that firsthand. Heaney struck them all out. Uh, Tyler Alexander, um, Anderson struck them all out. So I took uh, I took our boy here, Drew Smiley, who's been very, very effective of late. Strikeouts have been there. We've seen some pitch mix changes. Like we talked about him a week or so ago as a potential dude. So uh, I like what we're seeing there. A guy I wanted to take, he's not eligible, but if anybody wants to stream him, probably available on Yahoo or something. Justin Steele pitches on Friday, and he's been a monster when it comes to strikeouts. So that's where that's going to go. But 
I'm taking Drew Smiley and hoping this run of just the Brewers not being able to hit left-handed pitching continues, and I get five, six, maybe seven strikeouts in this one. And Drew Smiley, it's 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 so he's actually when when we transition to the Bloomberg, he's has actually switched his pitch mix more than anybody else in baseball since the All Star break and the last five starts. He's been fantastic. And I know that's kind of cherry picking, but that's just what we show on HQ is last 31 days. But 257 ERA, 111 whip looked really good against the Cardinals um, in his last start. That was an awesome ma- matchup. That was against Jordan Montgomery. That was a 0 0 game. Yep. The only run in that game was an Albert Pujols home run, number 693. So uh, that was actually, yeah, that was a really fun watch, um, especially because it turned out well for. For Jomo. But yeah, Drew Smiley was a great pick. Pitching, I feel like we say this every weekend, it was it was really thin. One thing I also noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, Bubba, there are guys who are out for the season have been out. Like John Gray is still 25% uh-huh. rostered teams in 12 Football teamers. season, Ryan. Football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was very apparent for me this week. I was looking at guys in like that 25 35% range. There's a few that not only are recently hurt, but have been hurt. So, um, again, if you're still grinding away with us, there is that's just example number, you know, 55 of how you can <laughs> grind away and make up uh, make up ground here in September. Um, I went with uh, it's funny. I actually was originally going to go with Trevor Rogers and kind of funny story here. Like Rogers was supposed to, I guess, originally pitch Friday night against L.A. And right before we started recording, Bubba sent a little. Uh, a little tweet to me about Rogers rehab start. I guess he struck out like 12 tonight in triple a and, and you asked if I'm back in um, I'm, I'm not, but the pitching options were something that I was going to go with Rogers. I went with Austin both instead um, because he is actually pitching this weekend. I'm not, I, I think you'll, I think you'll crush me this weekend. I think, I think Smiley's going to, going to rack up some K's. So both, uh, at least has a double digit swing strike rate. Um, his last five starts strikeouts of six, five, five, three, and three um, recently at Toronto. So like, you're not going to get many K's against those guys or last too deep into the game, but um, like some of the changes that he made recently and is at least missing some bats with that uh, 11% swing strike over the last month. So um, we'll see Two forty ERA 117 whip the last, month like a lot of that is luck driven but um the results have at least been there lately yeah he's been much better much better of late like you mentioned so there's been some viability to him you never know just takes a k in inning give you five innings and that usually wins some of these weeks so anything is possible it is at houston uh, i I do need to add so it's 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 gonna be hard it's a trickier one but we'll see we'll see what happens uh who is your bat for this week i want i feel a lot better about this one i think i think i'll i think i'll i think i'll get you in hitting this week (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went with Brendan Donovan in this, uh, or St. Louis. And this kind of goes back to what I was just saying about targeting, um, kind of playing that lefty righty game. Donovan's been hitting second pretty much every day for St. Louis lineup that is just mashing. So he's right in front of potential triple crown winner, Paul Goldschmidt, and then Nolan Arenado. Um, Cardinals get three games against Atlanta, like you just said, Bubba, but it's all right-handed pitching. So I just think Donovan, the the the, the platoon works, the lineup spot works. I think he's going to get a bunch of at-bats and uh, score some runs. Yep, don't hate it at all. For those that don't remember, we play hits, runs, and RBIs. That's what we add up together. So I'm going with Harold Ramirez of the Tampa Bay Rays going up against the Boston Red Sox and that wonderful bullpen and just rough shot pitching staff right now. 
And the reason I'm going Harold Ramirez is since he's returned from the IL on the 16th, he's hit safely in every single baseball game. He has 12 hits, five runs scored, and six RBIs. For the quick math at home, it's 23 points in our game, about eight games or whatever it is here. Uh, he's hitting 343. And one thing about uh, Harold Ramirez, he's always been a really good hitter. Great contact hitter. Power is not his biggest thing, but he's right in the middle of the order, hitting third or fourth every day. The Rays will put up a handful of runs each night against that Boston team. I'd be shocked if they got shut out or something. And so he should be a part of that mix one way or another. So it's like the idea of looking for a leadoff hitter that can just accumulate counting stats. I'm kind of doing that with Harold Ramirez, hitting third or fourth in that lineup every day. He's not one of the platoon guys in Tampa Bay. And again, Boston's just been dreadful right now. The the overall rating for the weekend for Tampa Bay is not great, but it's not bad. It's point three. It's kind of like almost neutral, like a, a good, like not bad rating. So I'm going to Harold Ramirez, just hoping he is an accumulator this weekend, kind of a Stephen Kwan esque, like you had a couple weeks ago that just crushed things. I'm going the Harold Ramirez route. This could be a fun one because Ramirez versus Donovan, they're both counting stat guys that just pepper base hits. So this could be a really interesting. Like this could be like an eleven to ten week or something. That could be it. Could be fun. And it's funny, like, and this is like a shortcoming. Or this is just my preconceived notions playing into my decision-making, which isn't always good, but we're all learning. I always think of the Rays as like a platoon happy team, and maybe they are, but they've had a lot of injuries, and mm-hmm. they've got Yanni Diaz, they've got Harold Ramirez, Randy Rosarena, and Marnie Margot, Manny Margot pretty much playing every day, and the Rays have faced lefties and righties over the last week, and those guys are really not missed out of those four Yandy Diaz has missed one game. The rest of those guys have all played every single day. So um, that's something I need to work on. I kind of dismiss those raised bats as a platoon team. I'm not going to kind of stream the volumes, not going to be there. Um, I I like that. I like that. I think it's a combination of the injuries have caught up to them. And we've seen it in the past. And I mentioned it with about their bullpen the other day is when they get closer to the postseason, they almost lock in. Like, okay. Now we've tested everything out. We've felt everything out. Now, these are our guys. We're going to war type thing. Uh, so we'll see. More so with the bullpen than the starting lineup, of course. But, yeah, that could be something to it as well. Bloomboard season. It's always bloomboard season around here, which is a great thing. So I'll give you the floor here. This is a fun one. Again, a lot of interaction. So we'll kind of go. I, I think I'm just going to go through the listener questions to talk about the board, the players on yeah, the board, and then we'll that. hit some more up after that because they highlight a bunch of guys here. So so uh, what is this board? Why don't you let us know what's going on? So this is this is honestly one of my favorite ones uh just because and i've talked about this a few times on the pod like pitchers can reinvent themselves in season a lot more and this is actually like the tout table tout wars question that got brought up is like what do you look for for recent hot streaks for hitters pitchers that sort of thing i look at pitch mix changes velocity changes for pitchers and that's the kind of stuff that you can kind of act on and react to very quickly in season so what this board is is i'm looking at since the all-star break i'm looking at the starting pitchers that have changed their pitch mix the most from pre all-star break to post all-star break. And we got a few questions. Well, like, how do you actually quantify that? Um, what I do is I call this, I, I I'm not a marketing major. Um, I, I call this change score. That is a terrible name, but it's just something that I made up that quantifies how much a pitcher has changed their pitch mix. So it's from zero to hundred percent. If a pitcher, and it's just the absolute value of the difference of the usage of each of your pitches. So if a pitcher throws 20% curveballs before the all-star break, upset to 30% curveballs, that's a score of 10. I add that up 
across every single pitch in a pitcher's arsenal to get that number. So a score of zero basically means a pitcher has not changed his pitch mix at all. He threw 30% sliders before, 30% after, through not just for ease of math, 60% fastballs before, 60% fastballs after. There's no actual difference in those two values for each pitch. Um, on the other hand, someone who just completely reinvents their arsenal, they're at 100 because they would go from like zero to 55 if they just throw a new cutter and they fade their fastball 55 to zero. Like that would that would add. So I basically just take that percentage usage difference and add it all up and throw it on a board. And the other thing like that all, um, and then we'll get into some more of the questions, is like a pitch mix change isn't always like automatically a good thing. And we'll see from some of the names that show up on this board. It's just like if you see a pitch mix change, take that deeper look. How have their skills recently have their skills recently changed to kind of coincide with that pitch mix change? And then that's where I start to get interested. And so I threw that on the board as well as I took their ERA whip and their strikeout minus walk ratio since the all-star break, just to kind of highlight which guys it's, you know, the change is working for and which guys it's not. And as usual, these boards are great starting points to dig in deeper, as Ryan said. So like he mentioned some key stats here that we look at, but you could also add on to that something similar as what Toby loves to do. Look at rolling graphs. You'll see like, Hey, mm -hmm. when did the pitch mix date start? Now look at a graph. It's just visual. You know, you look at yep. numbers. It's like, hey, this went up, this went down. Now, okay, maybe there really is something to this. And and you can do a lot more stats real quickly on fan graphs that will showcase all that stuff for you and give you a real idea if this is real, if it's kind of a fluky looking thing. Like, oh, he's getting more strikeouts, but really the contacts or whatever is still the same or something like that. So things along those lines that you can check out as well that uh, can help you uh, dig deeper on these type of scenarios. All right. Let's get into listener questions. I think I got a, we had a lot or comments slash questions, um, but let me. Why is my phone? There we go. Um, yeah, I figured this was the first one. So Ryan mentioned that there's some guys that don't perform as well with the pitching mix change, and Dynasty Junkie made a comment. The more things change, the more that they stay the same. This will be Patrick Corbin's 2023 <laughs> fantasy profile. If you look at Patrick Corbin, he had a 39 change on the rating scale here. But he has a 10 6 7 ERA, 2 3 whip, and a 10% K to walk. So, Ryan, more things stay the same. Yeah. And so, this is a prime example of something that's that's not working out. And so, like before I before we kind of dive a little bit deeper, just to give some context, you, you mentioned a 39 change. That means Corbin has basically flipped 35, 39% of his pitch mix. And that ranks sixth most. So, that the, the list in front of Corbin is Drew Smiley, number one, 51. George Kirby, number two, Robbie Ray, so two Mariners. That's another thing to kind of look at. Are these teammates? They have the same pitching coach, that sort of thing. Uh, number four is Cole Irvin, who's been pretty hot lately. Ranger Suarez, five, and then Corbin, six. So that's kind of your, your leaderboard of the board uh, before we kind of go a little bit deeper into these guys. But, yeah, like Corbin, out of anyone on this list, a 1067 ERA, a 230 whip. Since the All-Star break, a strikeout minus walk of 10 which is really bad. Um, he's not throwing strikes. He's not missing bats. He's trying different things. Um, he shows up on this change score because he's throwing sinkers about 50% of the time since the all-star break. The problem with that is he's throwing his slider, which used to be one of the best pitches in baseball and still is Patrick Corbin's best pitch. That usage has gone from 35% in June, 29% July, 22% in august so corbin's not throwing that slider 
really much at all and replacing it with sinkers and fastballs like it's it's not working out and it, it sucks but i i the other kind of question as you dig deeper is like why <laughs> why is yeah. patrick corbin not throwing his slider why is he only throwing it 22 percent of the time when in his heyday it was like 35 40 percent of the time and nobody could hit it it makes you wonder like is he hurt is right. there something we're not I mean, paying attention yep. to here? Because yep. like, why would you not throw that pitch? Like, I, we say it time and time again. If you don't have a heavy sinker, like a fast, like Alcantara or some of these other dudes that throw a heavy sinker, and then you're just throwing a batting practice fastball if you're not locating it. So definitely for Corbin, that's not going to cut it. So it's very, very troublesome for a guy that I thought would be able to bounce back at the end of last season. But You uh, were kind of – you were not to – I mean, this is hindsight, but I could see it. I could I yeah. totally understand, but you were, you, we were both pretty high on him entering – relatively high, uh, I will, saying it could uh, happen. I will say the caveat is, and I told everybody this, I only drafted him in draft champions formats, the deep, deep cheap. ones. I, I wasn't drafting him in, like, 12-team OCs and stuff. That was not not a part of the plan, yeah. the plan he was there. Free. So, yeah. yeah. A uh, little book of calm has a two-parter here for us. Very cool board. Recently, Eno Saris showed that 90% of starting pitchers that increase their stuff plus by five or more points from 2021 to 2022 change their pitch mix. Kind of makes sense. You can see that. Um, number one, how many starts does it take to recognize a true change versus a team-specific approach? Yeah. And two, how much do you think the results are driven by surprise and opponents having out-of-date knowledge about the pitcher? Um, that's actually both pretty interesting stuff. He, he said, PS, sorry, if I'm spilling stuff, I shouldn't from behind a paywall. <laughs> um, so first off, then these are fantastic. And this is why I love pitching. Man. This is why Great I point. love like diving into this stuff. Cause it's, it's just not, a, it's, it's an art man. Like, so a couple things, stuff. Plus if, I mean, everyone probably who listens to us knows, you yeah. know, um, hopefully subscribes to the athletic. It's a really good metric. I, I think the actual guts of it, the formulas are still proprietary at this point, but it is a way that Eno quantifies kind of the quality of pitches based on movement, velocity, whatever else. So that's really cool to check out. And you can kind of use that in addition to pitch mix changes to say, you know, the, the Corbin example, is he throwing his best pitch less often, you know, that maybe that's why this pitch mix change is not working. Um, to go to the second question, how many starts does this take? I, I I would need to look into that. I what I will say is I thought about doing this board just looking since like the trade deadline since August, but a lot of pitch mix changes aren't really changes. It's more I'm pitching against this lineup that has you know, maybe is more lefty centric and another lineup is more right-handed centric. Most pitchers have different arsenals depending on handedness of the batter. So if you look at like start to start or even like two to three starts at a time, th those usage patterns can really get thrown off by just, you know, one kind of unicorn lineup or, or whatever. So I try to at least go back and look at like five or six starts just so that kind of like start to start flukiness um gets washed out a little bit but that is one of the risks in doing this kind of analysis is to say oh his last two starts he threw you know curveballs well maybe that that was the plan of attack against that lineup and that there is a difference there so that that's a good that's a really good question and a good point as well. yeah and it's like we talked about it recently with like Aaron Savali since he came back from the aisle a lot of heavy curveballs now is that a 
a thing due to, and it's only been like two starts. So it mm-hmm. was it, and it was more so the first start than the second. So was it a matchup thing? Or is he, when he rehabbed all of a sudden, like I want to throw my curveball more often. So maybe he does it for three more starts and it's like, okay, well maybe this is a pitch mix thing. So um, it's hard. Like you said, matchups are matchups. Certain teams are bad. Like, I know it's a lefty-righty thing, but I, we talked about how the Brewers are so bad. Well, they might be bad because lefties throw like a slider that crushes the right-handed pitcher, the right-handed hitters, or something. So mm-hmm. you see a lot of sliders that time. So that's why maybe Steele dominates them because he's a heavy slider guy now. Um, just little things like that. So yeah, you made a good good point on on that one that it could uh, definitely dictate how certain things go. And the, and the last good point on that too, I think that, that third part of this question, like yes, this is high. Smiley's counter adjustment to that going to be next season kind of a thing. So um, it's just an ever, ever, never ending game of cat and mouse. And that's, that's what makes this stuff fun. Yeah. One of the things I always uh, remember from uh, baseball is just by playing baseball, but then like Mike Kruko says it on the Giants broadcast all the time when like new hitters come up and struggle or vice versa. It's um, it's the beautiful game that is pitching versus hitting. The art of pitching is to deceive and confuse the hitter. The art of the hitter is to figure out the pitcher, and then it's all about making adjustments. So that's where the pitch mix come in, like you said. So it's it's an ever evolving, massive game of like chess. Uh, like how can we figure this out? That's why there's scouting profiles. That's why there's all this data out there. So it makes it very very interesting. Uh, Kyle Bland asks, interesting stuff. I'm curious how you got to that change numbers at the sum of absolute change. He explained that, so we're good there, Kyle. But yeah, pretty and pretty Kyle, much. That is correct. Opinion. The sum of yeah. absolute change, like the absolute value, the difference of each pitch usage added up across their entire arsenal. Um, Eddie Manet says, not on the list, but Ross Stripling is throwing a changeup more and getting good results. That's true. Since he's come back from the IL, he is striking guys out much more regularly, which is great to see. I didn't realize it was a massive pitch mix change, but. Uh, yeah, Stripling has looked like a – he was good beforehand, but he looks a bit more dominating since he's come back, which is phenomenal to see. So the thing with Stripling, and yes, like if I change this date, the reason Stripling doesn't show up on this board is I'm just looking since the All-Star break. But if I push this back to say maybe – I know a couple weeks ago we looked at hitter changes from the live ball versus the dead ball. Maybe if I threw this back to like May 15th, Ross Stripling would show up. But that's a great point. Ross Stripling, the changeup – is elite 21% swing strike rate this season and a 55% ground ball rate. There's not many pitches in baseball that get that combination of whiffs and ground balls. And then on top of that, Stripling has bumped up the usage of his changeup from 15% last year to 25% this year. And he's made up, he's made room for that by throwing his four seamer only 35% of the time. So like Ross Stripling has developed into a legitimate three pitch pitcher. Um, he's got the slider that he's also bumped up to from 18 to 23%. Um, but that's just an example of, yeah, someone throwing their best pitch more often. And Ross Stripling has been doing it for a few months now. Teams know, and they have not still not been able to catch up to it. So that that's a perfect example of like who someone on this board is that you could kind of believe in and buy into It's someone who has shown better skills. And the reason why is he's switched up his pitch mix throwing an elite pitch, uh, 10% more of the time. Uh, Mike Carter has two questions about pitchers. They're not on this board, but they are justifiably interesting questions here. Should I be iffy on Detmers, Reed Detmers, who we all made fun of for the no-hitter and everything else, but since he's come back, he, there is a pitch mix change. It's very evident. 
and he's been much more dominant. So um, what's your thoughts on Detmers? He did. He's at the bottom. He's at the bottom of this board. So oh, 34. It's I'm an idiot. It's, he's bolded, <laughs> man. Come on. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, slider. Slider, slider. And, and not only just more sliders, but he kind of reshaped his slider. And we picked up on this during Reed Detmers kind of first couple stint. games back. Yeah. Yep. I started with kind of the end of AAA in his first couple games back. So that's another great example, Mike, of someone who is throwing his best pitch more often. It's a different slider than what we saw as well uh, during the season. So that is very interesting to me and makes me want to buy in. Of course, just talked about this the league now knows what this new slider looks like and how often he throws it so let's see how reed Detmers finishes out uh, the rest of the season i know he won't get much run support but no uh, no he won't even with trout back it's like is a shell of mike trout mike mike ford and mike ford it's unbelievable that's so funny i didn't realize that's who they called up for that that's that's bad he had a stint with the giants last year i remember how bad that was did he yeah brief I brief didn't stint. even know that he's 30 man he's 30. crazy it's crazy. But like just for instance, since he's returned, Detmers has returned July 8th. Uh in the West, he's faced Houston, Texas, Seattle once. He's going to face them again. That's why I wanted to mention them because the other teams he might not face again. So now, like you said, it's okay. These teams saw him the first time. And you know, against those teams, he struck out six Astros, 12 Rangers, and seven Mariners. Let's see how that changes this next time around. If it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe he mixes it up even more and, you know, leads off with the slider or whatever. I don't know. But uh, it could be interesting. But it uh, definitely something to monitor, as you said. The other pitcher he mentioned, and I triple-checked, he's not on this list. And that is um, Lucas Giolito, who it just gets seems like it gets bad to worse. And then he gets, like, one kind of good start, which kind of makes you think he's back. And then it gets bad again. And righties are hitting him very well right now. It's like a reverse splits thing with him. So I don't know what's going on with Giolito. It's It's been tough. I'm still, like, yeah, it's been tough. But I don't know. I, I Maybe I'll go kind of down on the ship. Or maybe I'll be in on Giolito next season. But, like, even in August, a Giolito 13% swing strike rate and a 35% ball rate. Both of those are those are two metrics that I really like to look at that are we call them sub-indicators at at baseball HQ. But how often are you throwing strikes, how often are you missing bats? And Giolito is not I wouldn't say as good as ever in that department, but certainly uh well above average. So I don't know if it comes back this year. Like it's just it's it's gotten really rough for him, but I I'm probably going to be in on Lucas Giolito, who I don't did not get. I, picked. I just looked. I, I pulled know. it up as you were talking. He yeah. did not get picked in the first seven rounds. So like eighth, ninth round Giolito. I, a 15 I, yeah. I think I think I go back in post pick 100. Like this could be your SP three or SP four. Like that's right. definitely worth the gamble. This is what Robbie Ray was a couple years ago. Almost what Luis Castillo was last year. He's more like around four ish guy. So you're getting even a bigger discount, but you guys get the gist of what I'm getting at here. Like it's it's a guy that won't cost you as much. So it's one of those if you have to drop him, it is what it is. At the same time, if he figures it out, he's an ace. He's a first or second. Like he was in a 15, there was discussions of him on the one-two turn. So like it's he's that good if if you really want to break it down. So it could be interesting with Giolito as we get going. Maybe we'll find out he had a little injury or something, has to figure it out. We'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, Eric Samolsky asks, not on the list, but Jeffrey Springs has really upped the slider usage from June on. And then he has a Glenn Auto part as well, has gone more sinker heavy. Curious if you're in on either of these guys this year or next. I, uh, Auto, man. Um, 
That was almost the picked, most. Almost picked him this week. No I'm kidding. That was I, I picked up Otto for a two step mm-hmm. a few months ago. He won both games. It was great, but that was the most harrowing fantasy baseball experience that I've had this year. Just the control, like I, uh, the control is not there. I think last starter two starts ago walked five. Like, uh, um, Jeffrey Spring. So, and that this this was an excellent podcast with Samolski uh, this uh, week. I listened to most of it. Didn't get all the way through. He's but, a sharp, sharp dude. Like, yes, good dude. And uh, I think new dad and yes, new dad. Oh, yes, awesome new dad. Uh, Sunday newsletter. So anyone yep. who um, does not and has been pumping out the newsletter since the birth of the child so it's impressive things are going well yeah mm-hmm. he's uh he's in it but um so yeah but yeah thanks for the question and, and yeah the spring slider a uh, little bit more usage he's actually thrown his change up a little bit more the change up is really for springs what interests me the most like just a minor uptick in usage 28 percent last season 34 percent this year but 23 percent swing strike on the changeup. that's that's really good and uh like eric says the slider usage in season has gone up a little bit you look at those again same sub indicators the swing strike and the strike percentage are are fantastic i was a little bit worried with springs just with um kind of the volume um what are they going to do in terms of just like workload but also on a uh on a per start basis, but Springs his last few games. Let's see what's his pitch count. He's stretch, 98 he's pitches. Back out. Yeah, yeah, he's, back out. I mean, he's he's good. Actually, four of his last five starts have been over 80 pitches. So yep. um I'm I'm very excited around Jeffrey Springs. Yeah, Springs is a guy I'm very excited to hopefully get some shares of next year. I like yep. what we're seeing from him in a big, big way. So auto streaming once in a while, but springs I'm all I'm all in on for just, sure. Just don't watch auto. Don't watch the start. Uh, I think there should be like a moral to all of it. Just if you're streaming any pitcher, don't watch that start. Just don't watch it because you're streaming them for a reason. They weren't, they're on the waiver wire for a reason and you're streaming them because you need the volume. So just don't watch them. <laughs> That's your bet. Uh, Gaman8 says, chasing wins for the weekend is the best option, either Glenn Otto or Yarborough as the bulk pitcher, or do you trust Detmers despite the Toronto matchup? I'd almost lean Detmers, honestly, in that matchup, because Toronto's been sketchy. On, they haven't been as dominating, but then again, you got Yarborough in a good matchup as the as the long reliever that could sneak in a win. Yeah, I, I lean Yarborough probably the more I think about it, but it's not pretty. I mean, if we're talking strictly wins, Yarbrough's the guy. Reed Detmers is the best pitcher of this bunch yep. for a lot of the reasons we just talked about. It's just banking on it on the Angels beating the Blue Jays right now is um is not really a winning play. Yarbrough, it just kind of all depends. Is he going to start? Is he going to be the bulk? He had been the bulk in three of his last four outings. Got one win out of those three. Actually, went four innings at the Yankees on August fifteenth four innings, no runs, six strikeouts. But then last week started Kansas City was great, but only went 4.1 innings. So um, Yarbrough's the play, if he's as weird as it sounds, if he's not the starter, if he's the bulk guy. If not, I'd go Detmers and uh, Notto, number three. Yeah, yeah, Notto, number three. We've got a couple more minutes here, so we'll pick on some more guys on this list that I wanted to ask you questions. We already talked Smiley earlier, and for obvious reasons, he's made some huge changes. But I want to hit on Robbie Ray because this was a funny year for Robbie Ray. It started out with people already going, see, why did you waste a pick on Robbie Ray? And then he made a pitch mix change then and started pitching really well. And now he's made another pitch mix change. And the ERA and the whip, those numbers look great. Or actually, they don't. The K to walk looks great. 
But the ERA and whip are struggling. He's back to walking guys. He's given up home runs. It's been kind of rocky with Robbie Ray. So what are you seeing with this recent pitch mix changes? He rates out the third, I guess, heaviest change in your list. Yeah, and for Ray, it's all been about, and we kind of alluded to this before, but he's throwing a new slash old pitch. He's throwing a two-seamer that I think Robbie Ray has not thrown. It's, it's in like five or six years. It's, there was I read an article where it was kind of interesting. Scott Service went out in the middle of a game, uh, mound visit, to talk to Ray. And basically during that mound visit, they just said, hey, let's just try this two-seamer. It's not working uh, what you're currently doing. And so Ray went back to the two-seamer and did well for a little while. And start, starting, it's just been a roller coaster for Robbie Ray this season. Like you look at the you look at the monthly ERAs, 415, 534 the first two months, then a 219 ERA in June, 540 July. Then back to 208 in August. It's actually been really good in August, and eat despite kind of the the walks that we've seen. So, um, kind of short end of the uh, you know summary is I I still like Robbie Ray. I think he's in terms of like strikeouts. I can see a world where he leads the majors in strikeouts next season. Like the whiffs are there, the pitches look great. Um, it's just all about that walk rate and. I don't know if a pitch mix change, another pitch mix change is gonna is gonna help that. He's just got to harness that control, and he's shown spurts of it. But then he gives up five walks August tenth against the Yankees, and just kind of gives it all back. Gave up four walks to the Astros two starts before that. Um, so it's just kind of like one step forward, half a step back. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a frustrating one for sure with Robbie Ray. I want to mention also uh, Ranger Suarez here. He's made a big change. Last year, he came on in the second half with gangbusters, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, starts out the year this year, very suspect, kind of was losing a potential spot in rotation, all these concerns. But now he's got a 154 ERA, 102 whip, and a 16% K to walk over the last uh, – since the break, basically. And it's been, it's been very, very impressive looking at Ranger Suarez, and he has made a serious pitch mix change. So what do you got on this one? Because I, while you were talking, I was looking at, like, I didn't do month to month for last season – but I was trying to see if there's anything different and they kind of line up to last season to this season's very similar. So I didn't see a big change, but what do you see on Ranger Suarez? Um, a lot better skills in the second half. So, and this coincides with, with the pitch mix change. He's kind of, and the thing with Ranger Suarez, and this is one thing where like the day is not going to pick it up, but I've read things where he's actually throwing like two kinds of changeups. And so that's been a big thing, but the, in terms of like pitch classification, it's all the same pitch. So it just, it shows that he's throwing like 20% change us, but he actually has two different kinds, which is kind of, kind of crazy. So he introduced a second change up, but then he also is throwing the cutter. Didn't even throw it in in April and May and is now throwing the cutter almost 20% of the time in August. So you take that different pitch mix, but then on top of that, you look at the change in skills, swinging strike rate, for Ranger Suarez uh, from 8% in the first half, which is terrible, 12% in the second half. Really good. Strikeouts have gone up. Walks have gone down. Like everything's going in the right place with Ranger Suarez. You're not like, I mean, in terms of like trading, that sort of thing, like, I mean, the dude has a 154 ERA over his last seven starts, right? In the second half, like he's not that good but I could see him settling in like three ERA type pitcher uh, with this mix, with, with the ground balls that he gets, with the whiffs and the good control with this new mix. It, 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 it's vintage, uh, and I say vintage, but it's kind of what we saw from him in the second half last season. 
yeah, it's going to suck me back in come draft season if he keeps doing this. And it's just like, it's one of those things that I, we'd all love to know is why weren't you doing this before? Like, what was the reasoning behind this? And I guess we'll never know. Maybe they saw something in scouting or something. I don't know. He didn't have Speak- a feel for it at the time. So who knows? Speaking of pitch mix changes, Sheldon Noisy's pitching right now, uh, throwing 45 mile an hour. They're calling it a slider. What's the score? Uh, to, it's 13 to 4 Yankees over, over the A's. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of um, position players pitching, did you see Christian Betancourt throwing for the Rays the other night? Yeah. Like he 90. threw like 96 or something. Hey, wow. Yeah. It's, He's throwing uh, gas, cheddar. Um, I got at least one more I want to ask you before we head out, unless there's some other ones you want. But I wanted to also, like we talked about, you know, not all pitch mix changes are for the good. We're obviously raised, ratios went up. We talked about a few others. I want to mention Noah Syndergaard. He's he's yeah. he's um got a three two three ERA one three WHIP during this, which you know not bad is what it is, but a ten percent K to walk. He's not fooling anybody. He's not striking guys out. And I think one of the big reasons before I give you the floor is he's he's throwing the sinker so freaking much. Like I I I almost like just go right away from any guy that goes to a heavy sinker usage. It just doesn't. We kind of hinted on it with some other guys. It just doesn't. Like I love hearing slider or something. Sinker scares me. And when you got a guy like Syndergaard who he grew up when he first saw him, like he throws gas, he fools guys, he all this stuff. We know he's been hurt. He's trying to get through injuries and now he's going to a heavy sinker. It's like, this is not making me feel warm and fuzzy about this guy. So what do you have on Noah Syndergaard? Yeah. Um, yeah. Throwing a bad pitch more often is, is not, is not <laughs> the way to do it. And yeah, like the, the, the skills look, look terrible. The sinker itself has, I mean, it gets ground balls. We'll say that. I mean, that's what a sinker should do, but a 6% swinging strike. Like that's, that's just not, I mean, the four seamers back been a really, you know, actually a pretty decent pitch. I, I kind of wish Cindergard would just go four seam change up and just kind of mix a sinker in every now and then. Uh, Cause a sinker, yeah, just does not miss bats. And like you said, Lately, the the kind of the ten percent strikeout minus walk is bad, and eight percent swinging strike rate is really bad. That's what Syndergaard has in the second half. Yes, has the three sixty three ERA, uh, but at HQ we've got almost a five expected ERA. So, like that's that's another one where yeah, the change. But let's look at the skills since he has made those changes, and um, it doesn't look great, man. It doesn't look great. Doesn't look great at all. And the last one I will mention is Jose Suarez. This is one I've actually added him in a few yeah. leagues recently for streaming options. Like, I think it was last year he showed some signs of some viability, and then it just hasn't really been like a continuous thing for him. But uh, he's got three four one ERA, 111 whip, and an 18% K to walk. He's had some very good starts, some kind of okay starts, but that's what you get from a guy like Jose Suarez. We're getting more good than bad. Let's put it that way. So what are you seeing in the pitch mixes that stands out as a, as a good plus situation? So with Suarez, and this is one where it's all, and we didn't really talk about this, but this is also another kind of, we're getting into small sample territory. Another thing to consider is uh, competition. So Jose Suarez, since the All-Star break, and that's when we did this pitch mix change, yes, there's a mix. His first game after the All-Star break was against the Dodgers, gave up six runs. Then didn't give up a a run in his next three starts. And that's where a lot of these kind of quote-unquote gains are coming against. But those three starts was at Kansas City and then Oakland twice. And that so helps, like helps a lot. Yeah, that helps that helps a lot. And he pitched well against those teams, which is great. I mean, that's better than not pitching well against those types of teams. He did what he was supposed to do. Uh, but then faced Seattle and Tampa the last uh, two starts, gave up three runs in each of those. So I almost think more like 
I don't know if these are actual games or if this is just kind of the the schedule playing playing pretty friendly to Suarez right now. Yeah, I'm still kind of I'm excited, but tempering like you mentioned the the matchups, like you said that Tampa Bay start, he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't nearly as dominant as he was like first, of course, the A's. So it makes you wonder. And it's it, the the pitch mix is an increased fastball, so it's one of those you still got to locate it. He's not like blowing it by guys, so that could lead to trouble as well. Uh, anybody else you wanted to highlight on this list? Last guy I want to talk about is uh, George Kirby. So, and this is this is interesting. Like, so George Kirby, and I kind of rattled off the list earlier, but is number two on this list, a 46 change score. The interesting thing, since George Kirby made this pitch mix change, and I'll get into this in a second, he's throwing more sinkers, but there's a difference. Um, Since Kirby made this change, 26% strikeout minus walk, which is just fantastic. A lot of that is like a minuscule walk rate george kirby has elite control uh 243 ra 111 whip uh since the all-star break the thing with george kirby he actually picked up this two-seamer from robbie ray there's an interesting story i was reading about it today kind of in prep for the podcast and he's just kind of talking to robbie ray and ray taught it to him and that the, the thing that makes this different with what we just talked about with noah Syndergaard is the sinker is not george kirby's primary pitch George Kirby throws four pitches more than 15% of the time now with this new sinker. So he throws the four-seamer. He threw the four-seamer in the first half, uh, very four-seam heavy, over half the time. He's dropped that down to kind of 36 37% in August. So not as reliant on the four-seamer. He's mixing in those sinkers just to give something else batters to look at on the fastball side uh the thing that i like about kirby is a he's held that walk rate throughout the sinker change so he can throw it for strikes but he's also throwing his curveball and slider pretty much just as much as he did uh before the change so it's more just kind of him picking up a different type of fastball with different types of movement that he can throw against different handed guys so from that aspect like i really like that he's actually picked up the sinker and it just gives batters something else to think about and it's not so four seam heavy. So that was one who like, and I, George Kirby, I think I'm going to be, <laughs> I think I'm going to be really high on next season. Just the, the pinpoint control he's getting whiffs, he's getting K's since he started mixing in more sinkers. The, the skills look really good for him. And see, like, unlike uh, like a cinder guard or something, his sinker is a heavier sinker. So I'm a fan, I'm a fan of that more so than just these guys that like Corbin, so it's it's not going to cut it. So it's something along those lines. And uh, and then he also mentioned the way it's like feeding off the fastball. It's not it's not taking away from the slider or something, which, yeah. which is a big big difference. Big difference yeah. in the pitch mix thing. And that's why it's an art. Pitching is an art, an absolute art on changing velocities, changing movements, keeping guys off uh, balanced, and just it's, uh, and it's sequencing crazy. and like mm-hmm. yeah, how they tunneling and yeah, we we yeah. could go on for it's go on for a while on it, yeah. but um. But yeah, I, I just think that just to kind of put a bow on this, like it, it's it's interesting to me and 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 put this in your off season, kind of tuck this away for the off season. But when you see kind of a change in skill, first to second half or a hot September, go that kind of extra level and see if there was a pitch mix change, velocity change, kind of thing to uh, to kind of validate or invalidate um, those change in results during the season. Sweet, yeah, looking forward to seeing where this goes and more bloom boards to follow as it's getting uh it's fun i'm like it's crazy like i always laugh i'm like I wonder what ryan's gonna come up with this week because it's tough this time of the year to uh, get creative on what's gonna be relevant to type deal but these are fun ones definitely like there's names on this board that will be worth streaming for the last five weeks or the six weeks of the season so 
that's what makes it exciting. Keep grinding, keep doing all that fun stuff. But uh, we'll wrap it up there, Ryan. Uh, any final thoughts as we, I believe we have six more fab periods to go. Six more fab periods. I, I yeah, the bloom board ideas right now are kind of dry. So I, I was excited about this one. We'll see if I can come up with, maybe we'll do something about like remaining schedule or something next week. I don't know. Cause I believe someone wrote an article that involves some remaining schedule. <laughs> Just have, some, it out have some, some background knowledge. <laughs> um, could be, could be fun to talk about that stuff. Cause definitely September schedules. There's going to be things like. you can exploit hundred percent. So, I don't know. So, we'll see. I like it. Well, you guys have to tune in next week to find out what uh, what crazy stuff we'll talk about, plus probably more injuries because that's what's going on and probably a split week on the matchups because that's what we do. So uh, come back next week and check it out. Uh, check out Ryan on the old Twitter there at RyanBHQ and his work over at Baseball HQ. I'm on Twitter at BDentric. And don't forget, go sign up for First Pitch Arizona. But uh, until next time, we'll catch you guys later.